When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, back at it 7 to 9 this morning. And can find and follow us uh, on Twitter, social media at Schmidt underscore radio. At Herbal Essence, can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Lot to get into. Busy week. The Mark Whipple hire on our minds, along with Nebraska adding a uh, Riola to the coaching staff with Donovan Riola on the offensive line. Husker basketball tries to figure things out here around 10.30 without Bruce Pearl on the sideline against Auburn. Nebraska, the walking wounded, as illness has overtaken them. And a big night of volleyball ahead for the Big Red as they try, try and take down hated Texas. Numbers to get in, 466 466-3776-800-825-5865. We are going to uh, rewind it in about 25 minutes with uh, former Colorado and Northwestern coach Gary Barnett. Not only is he a a longtime veteran coach, but he's also a golf buddy of one Mark Whipple. So we'll get the uh, the info, the latest, as uh, Whipple's quarterback up for the Heisman tonight. Cranach, Elijah, how are you guys doing? Well, Mark literally just hung up on us, so that's well, interesting. He was, he was over it. <laughs> yeah, he made it a minute and a half in the show and went, nah, getting out of here. Now he's calling back. So, yeah, Cranach is cozied up. Cranach, do we have you now, bud? You know, we're getting there. We're getting there, Chris. You got me? <laughs> yeah. Nice to, nice okay. to spend a few, uh, few minutes with you this morning, bud. I'm having some technological differences this morning. Um, that's all that's going on. But I, I'm here. I can no, hear I, you. I, uh, I I got in studio. I, I was going to do the, the, do the show from home because everyone cares about that. And I said, you know what, let's just go in. And you guys had me rolling last night. That was hilarious <laughs> with the, the dog gifts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, there was a dog gif. You know how they drag themselves yes, along the floor. They just got to. Yeah. Right. In itch. context, that was one of the gifts that, that yeah, came that out was last funny. night. So, yeah. not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys both just started throwing arrows at me like I'm making some LeBron announcement. <laughs> you just, you're, you're uh, all over me. But we're here. It's Saturday morning. It's, it's cold and garbage outside, but it's not icy if you're out and about. So, the uh, the roads in Lincoln aren't aren't horrible. Great act. Let's get into the hires here, uh, fellas. Let's jump in and touch on what Nebraska had a chance to do and what Nebraska did. We've we've also obviously uh, going to follow the market watch for 
Nebraska football in the in the portal with uh, some of the visitors this weekend. You know, Whipple's a name that was kind of out there by some of the media members. Uh, you, you, you thought about Corn from Coastal Carolina. You thought about, uh, of course, uh, USC and Air Raid, right? Uh, and Mark Whipple is where Nebraska decided to settle. And a, a really pretty good track record this season. And you had a nice build to what Pitt became, and that's a, a New Year's Day six football team. You've got the experienced hire, Cranach, with Whipple. And then you have kind of the new hire, uh, young, energetic uh, hire with uh, Donovan Riola. And, uh, of course, you have Mickey Joseph that, that came in late uh, Friday last week. So he's big time. He's been on the trail that that's the one hire I'm like wowed, wowed, wowed by it. I'm really impressed Nebraska got Mickey Joseph. I think Whipple can be fine. I think Whipple's what they need when it comes to an experienced voice in that offensive coordinator slash quarterback room. Uh, when we talk about the, the checks and balances of what gets run and executed on Saturday. And I think, you know, Donovan Raiola, it, it can be fine. I, I know that, that Quinn was interviewed from Notre Dame. You look at his track record, and uh, you look at the Notre Dame offensive line play the last several years, that's kind of a no-brainer. But there is a reality of price tag, okay? And to get a guy like Quinn, you probably would have had to to really overcompensate. I know he's going through a transition with a new head coach now at Notre Dame, but it's not unfamiliar territory when it comes to staff. So that would have been a leap of faith by Quinn. Meanwhile, you got a guy who's been busting his butt in Donovan Riola trying to work his way up, and uh, this is a shot for him to uh, to kind of prove himself, and you you don't have a, a do-over. I mean, it's kind of do or die for Frosty next year. So it totally could work. It's just a, a lot going on to to make it work with, uh, with these changes. Yeah, there's a lot of meshing they have to do. And let's be honest, how many people knew the name Mark Whipple? Not many, kind I, of, but no, it didn't. It, it, it's not out there, out there, you know. No, you see, sort of like we've heard, you know. So you, so you have to do some googling. It's not like we've been tracking Mark Whipple forever, and we're just like, yes, finally got that guy, you know. At least, but at least it made more sense to me than Graham Harrell. I couldn't wrap my right. head around that one at all. I, I was just like, I, I do not understand why you would want to get a Mike Leach, air raid disciple. Not that Nebraska doesn't run some of those. Everybody does. Everybody runs some form. I mean, the air raid kind of revolutionized football in some ways, right? So everybody runs some of that stuff. But I just didn't see Frost as wanting to turn the offensive coordinating duties over to somebody younger than him. Right? Like less experienced than he is. That that just didn't make sense to me at all. So I I like the idea of getting a veteran guy, to your point. Whether or not Mark Whipple is the right one, who knows? I, I could walk by Mark Whipple tomorrow and not know that I did. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know who this guy is. We'll, we'll find out. Um, Mickey Joseph, of course, a great hire. Mm-hmm. You get into Louisiana, you get into talent. He obviously coaches those guys up, too. It's one thing to acquire talent. It's another thing to coach them up. And LSU uh, wide receivers – under his tutelage last few years have been a, an entirely different breed of receiver, right? They're, they're talented and they play hard and they're dotting the NFL rosters all over the place. 
So that that's beautiful. If you can bring just a couple of those guys, sometimes, right? Bring bring just a couple. Um, we'll be in Nebraska. Will be in good shape. You Donovan know, Rayola. Yeah, kind of a similar deal, right? You're, you're just sort of like, I guess, I guess the, I guess the overall sentiment is jury's out. Yep. Fair. Right. We, you know, we've we've talked up so how many freaking offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches and different approaches have has Nebraska seen in the last ten years? You have gone years. Been a lot of names and faces yeah, that have yeah. cycled through for different reasons, and I think. I think we're just all at the point. I'm at the point where I'm just like, okay, get some W's. Get, <laughs> cool. I don't care if your name is Rainbow Bright. Just win. Get some, get some wins. <laughs> like, can you do that, please? Because I was looking at it last night. Chris, you know how miserable we all are right now? Actually, you know how resilient the we fan all base right is? Th- think, li- Nebraska fans are the most resilient bunch in the world. Get, just quick, if 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 you know this answer, bonus points at seven fifteen in the morning. But between the two Golden Boy coaches, and trust me, I'm not saying that in in a, in a denigrating way because I am I was one thousand percent on board with get Hoiberg in here, get Frost in here. Mm-hmm. Guess how many losses <laughs> those dudes have combined for? Ooh. Just see if you can. A combination. 70? Close. Higher. It's more than 70? <laughs> yes. 84. Lower. Okay. 79. Man. 79 times. Wow. We have all <laughs> had our hopes crushed. You've got, you've got one like going into year five years. and one in three years. Uh. 79, dude. They they have combined for, so Hoiberg has nineteen wins, nineteen, and two and a half. Frost is fifteen. So they're thirty four and seventy nine. Seventy nine. Let's just go to Mark. I, I would just I would just like to note Chris has pulled out the pen and he is writing that down furiously. That's I, that's awful. Think of that. You aren't even getting into conference. No. <laughs> you want to really no, piss somebody right. off this morning? Let's get into conference wins and losses. Oh, my God. I can't. I, I don't even know. Yeah, conference win-loss? Oh, geez. I don't think that'd be that hard to figure out. I just don't have them. No, I get you. Would it that be, will be during the break. Do you we'll think that'd be that a out. winning percentage but less like, than 10? Less than 10%? Pro- oh, it has to be. It's got to be, especially with <laughs> basketball. Yeah, Hoiberg won seven games in year one, seven games in year two, and they're at five right now. Do you think they'll get to seven? <laughs> really? You know what? I didn't want to be asking that question December eleventh. I know. Will they get yep. to? F- will Will they get? Will they match last year's win total? There's doubt. But, absolutely, a lot of doubt. But it's like it's one of those things that makes you want like the. There, there cannot be in the country a worse return on investment. There just cannot be in the college game. If you were to add it up, just how much money, how what what the fan attendance is like versus the win-loss record. Nebraska has to have the biggest gulf, the biggest gap in the nation. Has to. There's no way. Because, like, Vanderbilt's pretty terrible at, a, at both sports. But, like... 
fans don't go <laughs> and they don't pay a bunch of money, you know, uh, like there are bad other bad athletic programs right now in the men's sports in the primary men's revenue producing sports, mm-hmm. but not with the level of support here, which makes you just stop and think like, look, they, those, those hires, the frost hire, the Hoiberg hire were largely roundly nationally totally uh, encouraged and everybody everybody was like yes they were applauded nebraska they They finally got some dudes right they were applauded yes there was history of success and there was expectation after a bump and initial bump in the road that things would get off and take off and it's, it's been continual car crash after car crash and you're just like, what is, is which it, is too it, bad. Uh, I, I there has to be something more going on, almost. You know, like to achieve that level of futility with this much support is is just like it doesn't add up. Well, uh, it, let's let's dive into the math here for a moment on on why it hasn't added up. Why there's been little return on the investment because it's just such a glorious Saturday morning. Let's just stick with this uh, happy, cheery theme. No, you've, you've got two coaches. That... Hold on real quick, Chris, real quick. I'm Go doing ahead. this to prepare us for what we're about to experience when the when Nebraska ball takes on Auburn. Ah. Okay, sorry. That's oh. why I brought it up. Okay. Because misery, misery will come your way soon, <laughs> and it'll be 80 losses. But continue, sorry. No, Listen, you have just two instances where guys walk into a league they're not familiar with. These aren't excuses. I'm just telling you why you're sitting at 79 combined losses. And it's about how you you went in and what you thought you could do versus what you can do. And with Frost, you come in with your offense, your style, your philosophy, and you've had to tweak and you've had to get bigger and stronger on the lines of scrimmage. That's not instant. It takes time to build up. You uh, you thought you had your cornerstone quarterback. And while he kept you in a lot of games, didn't win you a lot of games. Uh, and then when it comes to replacing the talent you inherited, because, listen, there's some guys that were left over from the Riley era that really did some good things for you. They're, there's, they're part of the reason you have at least some wins, right? When we think of the, the Zigbos and the Stanley Morgans of the world, uh, the Fosters of the world, right? Uh, uh, Gifford. I mean, just kind of go down the list. So you've had to, to adjust, and, and you, were, you were just wrong off the get-go with your game plan. Same with basketball. Uh, you had a seven-year deal to start out, and how do you want to go to work? Do you want to do you want to take it on the chin for a couple of years and build? And and Fred's tried to to blend some high school with the, the, the JUCO or transfer route, which is what is happening in college basketball. He started it, for God's sake, and was great with it. So both guys came in doing with what produced successful results and got them hired at bigger jobs. It just didn't translate to this league because you don't have a big to deal with on offense. All right, if you're Nebraska basketball, uh, you've been wrong with your talent evaluation as far as how immediate that impact can be, and you're always resetting, right? You're always resetting a new roster, a new group of dudes every year, 
and it's just been real hard chemistry-wise to get everybody on the same page and accepting their roles for basketball. That's been a problem. Cool. I'm glad you got a five-star. I think he's going to be a really talented – and he is really talented. But he's also a, an 18-year-old trying to play against men in the non-conference, and it's going to even be worse in the Big Ten. From a football standpoint, uh, your lines of scrimmage have not been what they need to be, uh, specifically on the offensive end. You want to win, you run the football in the Big Ten. Your offensive line's not been built to do that. And you've not had a running game to support your quarterback, so he's been running and your offense for the last four years. Yeah, your, your job is to fix those things. Your job is to, to stabilize on basketball, be right with your talent assessment, and, and, and be right with the transition, and then get guys to do what you want them to do versus letting them freelance and, and slide. For football, find a running back, find some offensive linemen, take some heat, take some pressure off your quarterback. You've seen some adjustment, at least in football, with what's been going on. And that's, let's, let's, let's hold the football a little bit longer. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the possessions aren't as vast as they are in the AAC. You've seen a change, right, with at least Nebraska trying to be more, more ball control. You've seen some option football. Basketball, uh, it's continual uh, five for 30 from downtown. Let's see if they, they switch their approach uh, today with how they try and run an offense. It's not that you can't take a three. It's how many threes are you taking, and is it after a couple three passes, or is it somebody brings the ball up past half court and just launches it because it's NBA 2K time? So You know what you're talking about then, in general. It's running programs, right? Yep. How Building and running a program. And the whole adjusting to the Big Ten thing, I hear you to some degree, but Ron Franklin, did he have a ton of familiarity with the Big Ten? No. Did Mel Tucker? No. Did Urban Meyer? No. Like, right? There's plenty of people that weren't familiar with the Big Ten, but they didn't let it stop them from getting W's sometimes, you know? <laughs> and then I think you could say the same thing with, with basketball. If you, you know, dive into some of the coaches that have come and gone there, it, I don't know. It's... There's you wonder it's it's one of those things that we say about Texas where there's that kind of that country club atmosphere. Sure. Right. No, very fair. Texas has has kind of fallen not to the degree that Nebraska has in both sports. Texas, um, but will, they've fallen Texas will as well. Pop up right? And they just don't sustain. It's they like don't they'll, sustain. They'll have and a good year and, and then they fall back off and then they're on to the next coach, Mark. Yeah, so yeah, there's some similarities there, but their their floor is a little higher because their overall talent is better in both sports. So they haven't completely dropped off a cliff like Nebraska has um, in both sports. But it's I don't know. It's it's some sort of combination of it's it's like a lack of I don't know competence is too strong. toughness i there there's there is a common thread there that i think trev is encountering right now and trying to figure out too because look on on one hand you have to get the facilities you have to get the the bells and whistles you have to give nil opportunities and all those things those things all matter you have to do them um 
but it's a, it's almost like there's a collective like that's what it's all about mentality in some ways where right where you kind of forget the grit the the grime the I, I don't know I'm I'm struggling to understand it because it just doesn't add up and and you've heard from multiple people the concern from fans we've been hearing about this for damn near a decade is all oh, apathy is going to set in well apathy is going to set in I, I, you're still it's on the take anger. some you're... sort of breaking point for that to happen because <laughs> you went to any memorial stadium game this year you're not seeing a lot of apathy well no you're not so you're, you're seeing anger you're seeing charged ridiculous top five in the country atmospheres <laughs> you know those were michigan the michigan game was incredible yeah iowa game was incredible i mean those were fun amazing atmospheres you're um so I'm, I'm not seeing that as the big problem it's it's something deeper than that and you just hope that maybe this combination frost has finally landed on it finally landed on a way is it rayola it, it you know right rayola doesn't seem like because you brought it up the offensive lines absolutely that's been a problem but at the same time chris there there are plenty the, the offensive lines have been a problem but there's plenty of there's maybe not enough, but more than you would think. Offensive linemen on NFL rosters. There's talent in the room. Yeah. Now look, mm-hmm. dude. Pe- people. How many people mf'd Farniak and Hymas, and you know even uh, oh who's the guy that kissed and waved at everybody? Um, Lewis. Alex Lewis. Yeah, Alex Lewis. Right. Like you've had dudes on the line. You no, have. You have. No, it, and they, it, and it comes down to, to system. It comes almost, down to system, doesn't it? Maybe, right? Because they tend to actually perform better once they get to the league. Mm-hmm. You know? Even though they're like, yeah. they're uh, Who's who's the other cat for that played uh, left tackle? And then now he's Nick Gates. Oh. Gates is a center for the Giants, yeah. 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 Starter, captain. Captain for the Giants. And, and he – right? But it, and you notice where a lot of these people go. A lot of the people I've mentioned played like left tackle and then moved to the interior. <laughs> you know, so that's the move to the interior once they once they get to the league and perform much better. Uh, which makes you wonder there what kind of what's happening too. Is it is it almost as simple as no, you just haven't gotten any good left tackles, which would have freed these folks up to to play inside. Um, I know Farniak did as his career went on. He he played inside, but uh, yeah. It's 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 just such a mismatch, and then the the Hoyt now okay so that's football you go go over to hoops, and that's what we're going to see later today. Nebraska playing a top twenty team. They're going to be playing without their head coach Bruce Pearl suspended for a couple of games because of you know Shoegate and all those problems that were happening with assistant coaches taking money. Um, so he's sending out a couple of games, but they're a top twenty team. Um, and they're pl- playing in Atlanta. They'll, they'll have a good contingent of fans there. Uh, probably not going to go great for Nebraska there. Um, the, but the thing about Hoiberg's teams, which I've never understood about Nebraska basketball for years now. This this goes beyond him. This goes to Miles. It goes to Sadler. Like this, simply swinging the ball, passing it, and you saw the stark difference between Michigan and Nebraska. And, and it's the mark of a really good team. 
where there is like there is a precision, there is a purpose to passing the ball. It's like a sequence of three to four passes to get the defense chasing and to leave somebody wide open. Other teams do that all the time. Good teams do that. Nebraska hasn't done that in Danny Neese teams didn't even do that. <laughs> Just, you know, like why, why can't you have a system? You do. It's a where that happens. You, you do. You have a system. And if they adhere to said system, that's why they've gotten off to good starts. Their last two games, Nebraska, had a great start against NC State. Nebraska had a good start against Indiana. They were up 10. Nebraska had a good start against Michigan. It was 13 to 13 at the uh, the the under the the under 15 timeout. Okay, so your starts have been good, but there's no follow through with what you've been doing. I know other teams will make an adjustment, but they go away from sharing the ball, swinging the ball and having uh, that that kind of around the horn precision and mentality. When when Nebraska's moved the ball, you look at all the all the threes that they've made, which is few. But look about where those have come from. It's been an inside out pass, mm-hmm. or it's been an extra pass, uh, uh, kind of a little pocket pass to a guy who's ready to spot up, catch and fire, and drills it in rhythm. There's been no rhythm or flow offensively because there's not been any enforcement. Well, it feels like Nebraska's offense requires somebody, one of their ball handlers, to go beat their defender off the dribble. Yeah. And when you look at other college basketball, I mean, that works great in the NBA. Sure, when you have James Harden, when you have Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. when you have LeBron James, they'll beat someone off the dribble. But when you look around the, the wider world of college basketball, there's better ways in college basketball in order to be able to initiate your offense. Whenever it comes down to either Alonzo Verge or Bryce McGowan, those are the only two guys in the team that feel like they can consistently beat their man off the dribble. When it's only those two guys that can run your offense effectively, well, what are you going to do? Kobe Webster, good player. He's not talented at beating his man off the dribble. Lat May and not talented at beating his man off the dribble. Uh, just name anyone besides uh, Alonzo Verge and Bryce McGowan. They can't beat their man off the dribble. Whenever your offense is requiring somebody to beat their man off the dribble and only two guys in your team can do it, you're not going to have a good offense. No. And, and and poor Verge, I know he's taking some arrows, but he's he's trying. I mean, he's doing what he can to, to initiate some offense, and yet four other dudes standing around. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's trying to get to the rim, and he does, and, and a lot of times he'll finish. But when he's driven and kicked out, you're not making your shots, or you're not taking shots at the rim. Or if you do get to the rim, it's it's rejected. But they've been living and dying and, and mostly dying from three-point landmark. But there, you, look, there's what you notice with Michigan, and then Creighton's been really good at it. Kansas historically has also been very good at it. Like there's a purpose to all the passes, right? And and it's not even just as simple as drive, kick, shoot. Mm-hmm. It's drive, kick, swing, swing, skip, <laughs> right? It's Inside like side touch doo, layup. <laughs> I mean that ball is just rocketing all over the half court three to four times, and then there's somebody wide open, and there's movement, and there's just purpose and precision to all of it. And Nebraska, for whatever reason, under multiple coaches, never does that. It <laughs> just does not do that. They, they don't look like Villanova. they're a hardworking team. Watch Villanova. They're, they're, they're great at it, too. Gonzaga. Like, 
good teams. That's what they do. And that's more than a talent thing. Right? That's not just a are you talented thing. It's a mentality thing. It's a drill thing. It's a philosophy thing. Culture. It's a culture it's, thing. Uh, it's, I mean, it's winning basketball. With Nebraska basketball, where do you see off-ball screens? Where do you see guys moving without the ball? You don't. I mean, when you watch, even when you watch the NBA, which is what this system is supposed to be, you got elevator screens. You got guys setting screens for your shooters, making sure they're getting open. And you just don't see it with this Nebraska basketball team. You see four guys standing around watching the ball, hoping that something good happens, hoping Alonzo Verge can make something happen and dish it off to you underneath. I, I, just, I don't see the effort half the time. I don't see the effort defensively. You're, the other teams are getting wide open looks from three. And then offensively, you're not seeing the effort either. It's a, it's a culture thing with this Nebraska basketball team that I'm seeing where it's just not there. Here, now, here's one thing I appreciate. You're right. Here's one thing I appreciate, though, uh, that Fred Hoiberg and the team did not do, but I believe was a huge factor, is, look, they, they got that, they got a flu bug flying mm-hmm. through the team. A bunch of guys were sick. A couple of guys aren't making the trip. A couple of guys were sick leading into that game. They looked like a team that just was zapped of energy, mm-hmm. right? And that could be a mental thing as much as it could be, like, physically. They just were you know, on IVs the day before or the day of just to be able to suit up. And but they did not use that as an excuse. In the pregame, Hoiberg mentioned it in the pregame radio interview. Mm-hmm. He mentioned it, but he did it in passing and he did it quickly. Postgame didn't even bring it up at all. And so I appreciate that, that they're not using it as an excuse. It kind of reminds me of when Nebraska played Miami in football under Riley and the heat was suffocating. <laughs> but suffocating. If you were there, you're just like... Pfft. How are they even playing this sport right now? And they, they were terrible until the sun went down, and then they came roaring back and almost won it. And, but they never used it as an excuse. So I appreciate that, mm-hmm. that they're not just bringing up excuses. But I believe it was a factor. And I think you can I, – I think hopefully we will see that today, that, that the, intensi- the, the defensive intensity will ratchet up because it absolutely has to. I mean, it's that, – that was a dreadful – not only a dreadful shooting performance – and by the way, they were, what, 5 of 35? If you were 15 of 35, you know, think of how much closer that game is. Sure. 15 of 35 is a good clip. That's a really good shooting clip, but it's not an amazing clip. It's just a good clip. If they were 15 of 35, you know, you're talking about 30 more points right there, right? And then all of a sudden, you're, you got a game. It'd be interesting uh, to average out the number of threes made uh, in the limited wins Nebraska's had during the Hoiberg era where the offense is based on three-point shooting and getting to the rim. We'll rewind here shortly. Uh, Nebraska is going to have to get creative today against Auburn with uh, Eduardo and Derek Walker, Uh, maybe a bigger lineup against Auburn. But uh, we'll dive in. More Nebraska football thoughts with the hires. Brandon Vogel coming up in 25 minutes. His take on Husker Volleyball as well. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will be with us. Rewind up next. The Tale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some college football. Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern and Missouri, Gary Barnett with his coach. We've got 60 degrees uh, on site here in uh, in Lincoln a lot of next week. It's smoking weather, Coach. Ribs smoking weather. Can you help me out? You got uh, something up your sleeve? Well, 
Chris, it doesn't have to be 60 degrees to be rib smoking weather. I mean, if, <laughs> if, if the sun comes up, and even if it doesn't, you know, it's still rib smoking weather. So, uh, you know, I'm going to try something different uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Just, just a little change. I'm going to try some ribs called Pinehurst Brewery Railroad Ribs. It's got a pretty cool... You got to figure out the recipe because they don't just put it out there for you for the rub and for the sauce. You got to sort of do a little uh, deductive reasoning on it. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to try those. I'm going to try cooking some ribs like that tomorrow and see how they turn out just for a change. You you went uh, with the great Barnett rib off over the summer. You went grill uh, instead of smoker, and they looked incredible. What what's We'll get to football in a minute, but what what do you have to have on your ribs? Are you do you want the sweet? Do you want the heat? Do you want the salt? Do you want the pepper? I mean, what's the flavor that you love most with the ribs? You know, I, I really like moving around. I, if you want a good spicy one, Salt Lick has a good rib rub. That uh, and also Dave's mm-hmm. uh, Dave's is pretty spicy too. If you want that, I'm going to try some brown sugar rub on this one and see mm-hmm. what it's like. You know the the ribs out of uh, uh, North Carolina are a little more vinegary. Mm-hmm. The, the sauce is a little more vinegary. So, uh, you know, that's, I'm a little eager to try this, see what happens, you know, a little change up. Uh, it sounds good. It sounds good. Let's stick with the recipe theme. And uh, Nebraska football pretty much uh, getting to, to where they're going to be. Still a question of coach frost whether he goes with a special teams coordinator or if he hires a running backs coach or yeah, there's still there, there's a couple of names and there's one spot there's one full-time spot left to, to fill but uh nebraska able to uh to get things handled with uh, mark whipple from Pitt, uh donovan riola uh the offensive line assistant in chicago and did some work at Notre Dame, the former Wisconsin standout. Both names added, of course, Mickey Joseph last week. How do you like that recipe in, in, in a big year five for Coach Frost with those three additions? Well, it, you certainly have guys who have got experience, and uh, uh, one of which has experience with, with Nebraska, of course, with Mickey. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mickey being, um, you know, really a good recruiter as well, uh, ties into that. Mark Whipple has a lot of experience. I've known Mark for a long time. We, we actually play golf together here in the winter. Um, I got to know him when he was a, he was a uh, quarterback, was a coordinator for University of Miami. So, anyway, a lot of experience. He did a great job at, at – um, Pitt, uh, I know the line coach there very well. He worked with me for seven years, and I think uh, he and Mark were a great combination. And so uh, they did a great job with Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's a lot of experience. It's a different offense now. It's a different, uh, uh, completely, not completely different, but it's different than what they've been running. So there'll be some transition issues. There always are, at least some, some time. So it, it may not – it never goes as smoothly as you hope it does right at the beginning when you put three new people in there and you have three different terminologies and three different philosophies and you got to mesh them all together. But, you know, I, I think from a hiring standpoint, on paper, it certainly looks like it works. Coach, tell me a little bit here about 
the transition issues? What what are potential obstacles? You've got personnel that's here, and you're obviously searching out personnel uh, with the, the portal and quarterback. But you know what what are some pitfalls potentially that that could delay smooth sailing? Well, I, I think first of all, you got to whose terminology you're going to use. You're going to use the terminology that you you've been using, and if so, three different guys have to adapt to it as coaches. Uh, you you pretty much cleaned house, so uh, I, it would seem like to me if I were in Mark's shoes coming in that I'd want my terminology and uh, my offense, and I'm calling it, and and so uh, that means players have to learn a new terminology um, and and a different system. Every system is tweaks is tweaked and every system's a little bit different. So you've got a receiver coach coming in that hasn't worked in this system before. Um, you've got a line coach who, who hasn't coached college for a while. So, you know, it, it just takes time and it's a lot of meeting time and it's a lot of, um, uh, you know, spend a lot of late hours together trying to make it, make it work. And each guy has to sort of uh, internalize the new system uh, into the way that he thinks. And then you've got to be able to regurgitate that to the players and you've got to be able to teach them the way you teach a new system. So it's everybody's got to learn and it just takes time. Tell me about the offense with, with coach Whipple and just what, what it can do specifically coach, just uh, the the potency. What, What do you love most about the offense and what it does to defenses? You know, Mark's not afraid to throw it around, uh, and he runs the quarterback a little bit, but not very much. But he does run it. You probably saw the mm-hmm. uh, uh, picket this last week when he when he uh, looked like he was going to slide and, and <laughs> didn't. And you know, I, I I think that's an ethical violation. I really do. I, in fact, I wasn't listening to it when I was watching it, and. It, for everybody who didn't watch it, the quarterback went went out. He's on a run, and he looked like he was going to go slide. So the defenders pulled off, and then he he didn't slide. Ended up running by him for a key touchdown in that game. I, I actually didn't hear the sound and assumed that they were going to call a penalty on him, and they didn't. And then once I turned the sound back on, they were all raving about the play. Well, you know. If he does slide and, and uh, those guys don't pull off, then it's a penalty. If he fakes the slide and they do pull off, and it's not a penalty. I mean, I, I'm trying to coach defense there for a minute, and I'm thinking, you can't have both. You know, so I, I was really surprised they didn't call a penalty on that. But um, the point is they don't run the quarterback a lot, mm-hmm. um, but – um, and I'm not sure that was a called run, but it was. Uh, they do a little bit, not nearly as much as you've seen. So whether Mark changes that, uh, I don't know. But um, you know, he's going to throw it. Uh, he's got a good sound run game, and uh, you know they they had a good set of receivers there. And of course, Mickey's coached some of the best receivers in the country, and that's what he's used to coaching. So you know, I think that is going to be the issue is is the quality and level of receivers that you're able to attract and coach up in that system. What do you know about uh, Donovan, uh, Raiola? I, I mean, I know 
Dom better than than Donovan, and I know who Donovan worked for at Notre Dame and then worked for at the Bears. But is this mesh going to be pretty good with with Whipple and in Riola? You got experienced and, and not as experienced together, and that old line's got to be good because it's been a problem. Yeah, I don't know, and uh, I don't know how much time. You know, Dave Borberly's the line coach at Pitt. I don't know how much time Dave is going to spend with Raiola, um, you know, helping him get ready. I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, hopefully that was taken into consideration before the move was made because, uh, you know, for the for the coordinator to come in, his key guy is his offensive line guy. Mm-hmm. That's key guy for him and so uh, I'm assuming conversations took place and that there was a um, a, a level uh, at which they both could could work very effect or felt like they mm-hmm. could both work effectively so I don't know that's all inside information that I don't have privilege to are you surprised Whipple took the job in Lincoln Mark moves around um, so no, I'm not too surprised. And I don't know whether Mark wants to be a head coach again or not. And he looks at uh, Pitt and goes, maybe, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know where it's going to go. But, you know, he's from, originally he's from Phoenix. He, he went to high school in Phoenix, so he's maybe just moving back west. I, I don't know. Coach, uh, let's talk quarterbacks in the portal and uh, three names. And I don't know. Uh, I know two of the three, there, there's been some sort of communication or contact. The third is, is Rattler, and there's rumors floating around about him. But Rattler, of course, from OU, Brennan from LSU, the other LSU kid, and then Chubba Purdy, the Florida State kid. Uh, which one of those quarterbacks do you like uh, best? And uh, I know the, the, the portal's pretty big. I mean, Nebraska's got to find a, another option uh, at quarterback with Adrian's departure. Well, I think that uh, as you view, um, and for Mark Whipple, I think probably uh, the kid at LSU is the best match. Um, so I, I don't know they got two in the in the. Uh, I was thinking Brennan, right? Yeah, no, I'm thinking more about Johnson. So oh, okay. Um, I, that one seems to be more of a match than uh, he's a big kid, you know, and. Um, that one looks like to me it's more of a match. I don't know that much about Purdy other than the family mm-hmm. and um, you know there's two others playing now. Rattler and Purdy are both from Phoenix, and I don't know whether that figures in with Mark or not. But um, you know, to me, just without doing any research into this, I, I think Johnson is the best match for him. Mm-hmm. Gary Barnett's with us. A few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Coach is going to go on the rib adventure this weekend, the Railroad Ribs. you got to send me a pic of that, and we'll tweet it out over the weekend, Coach, because, uh, well, football's on. That's going to be great. Uh, you got Army-Navy going on. The, the carousel's finally coming to a, to a halt, but there's still an opening here. What's your read on Oregon, Coach? Boy, I tell you, I, that one's being kept pretty quiet from what I can tell. Um, I don't know whether they're in negotiations with Chip Kelly to bring him back or not. 
I don't know what's going to happen with that job the um, right now, but it, it'll be a splash. I'll, I'll tell you that. It'll be a splash, and it will set off another change probably. So uh, I, I think you're going to hear something on that in the next day or two. Is it? They can't go much longer. They no. can't go much longer because time's wasting. Is it as simple as, you know, is Chris Peterson a fit? Do they go back to Kelly? Uh, Harson? I know he just made some hires at Auburn, but he's really kind of a, a Pacific Northwest guy. And are you surprised there's been so much turnover with Oregon? I mean, I, I get Cristobal. I mean, he's he's a Miami guy. Well, yeah, I am surprised there's been so much turnover. Chris Peterson, uh, that's the job Chris always wanted. And... um He's been out now, and and just depends on whether he's enjoying life or whether he's get ready to get back on the treadmill and the grind. Um, I still think Justin Wilcox at at Cal is an issue is is a, is a potential. Um, you know, he's he's from Boise, was up there, did a great job, and has been around. So I, I still think you know, to me, the the, the four names or three names are. Probably Chip Peterson. You can throw Harson in there, but that's after leaving after one year mm-hmm. at Auburn. I, I don't know if that's possible, but uh, and I still think Justin Wilcox is a, is a name that you got to listen for. Coach, uh, I'm going to go here. Who's better at golf, you or Whipple? Oh, you know what? It's a good match for us. You know, it's a pretty good time. You know, I play with him down here at Whisperock. He comes down with some friends and always plays. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty good match for us, actually. So, looking forward to seeing playing with him again. Last thought: When it comes to recruiting a Louisiana coach, Barnett, you've done that in your career. Mickey Joseph's in on some high level guys. Is it despite Mickey's as good as Mickey's reputation is? What's what's that uh, ability level like to to go raid Louisiana again like Nebraska used to with Mickey? Can that be done a second time? Oh, I think so. There's a lot of players down there. You just have to go to the private schools for the most part. Uh, there's a lot of players. I mean, they're all over the place. And, uh, you know, you, everybody recruits down there is your issue. So, Mickey, the name Mickey Joseph, the the whole Joseph family in in uh, New Orleans will carry some weight. There's no question about it. So uh, he'll still be able to to drag a few guys out of there. Coach, enjoy the weekend. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, Chris, great being with you. Thank you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he was 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to an hour two weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we kick things off this uh, second hour with 
managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine, and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel in with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogue's busy weekend of sports. How you doing? Not too bad. How are you? We're good. We're good. Now, uh, we'll dive into volleyball. We'll get into some Husker basketball and talk about the hires in a moment. But on the spot right now, the uh, Vegas line has Auburn minus 14 over Nebraska basketball that tips off here in a little more than an hour and a half or so. Is that just the the mother of all give-me lines? You look at the, the, the illness, the, the mindset. Uh, I know Auburn's dealing without Bruce Pearl, who's probably having a beer. Um, <laughs> minus 14. Does that seem low or what? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does. There's a, a ton of unknowns. I mean, I don't think I don't think Auburn's going to fall apart without its head coach. Uh, no disrespect to Bruce Pearl, but they'll be okay on that front. I mean, the bigger thing is is who's, who's available and who isn't for this this Nebraska basketball game. Um, I guess if you're really interested in that line, you can do some Instagram sleuthing to at least see who's who's in the city of Atlanta at at this point, but. It seems, I mean, it would be impossible for me to take Nebraska in those points just based on their their current run of play and uh, the uncertainty about who's who's able to go and who's even fully healthy if they are there. Uh, but I will say that a lot of these lines end up being pretty close, uh, whether whether they look like it or not uh, from afar. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I know which way I'd go, but I, I still don't even feel one hundred percent confident in Auburn beating that number. Very fair, very fair. That's uh, Brandon Vogel. Uh, the opening line minus fourteen Auburn Nebraska basketball a little bit later today. Vogues, let's uh, get some thoughts here. So on on the list of names, all right. Every great great AD's got the the list of names for the head coach. And every head coach has a list of names for that OC, okay? Unless you are the OC. So on on Brandon Vogel's wonderful list of offensive coordinators around college football, where was where was Whipple at? Where was he with your radar when it comes to all the names we heard here that finally got you know put to bed with the, the hiring uh, of not only Riola but of course Whipple here this week? Yeah, in. He was definitely on my list, but he, because he's such an experienced coach, we got a question in the mailbag, I think, towards the end of October, asking us on HaleVarsity.com, like, if you had to pick the Broyles Award winner right now, who would it be? And I actually said Whipple, uh, based on what Pitt was doing offensively. I can't remember. I think they had one loss at that point. Um, so I was aware of them. You know, it, the, his progression at Pitt was pretty interesting. Uh, after he was named, I went back and watched that 1998 UMass Georgia Southern FC or well one AA championship at the time, and the broadcasters there were talking about well Georgia Southern's running the triple option and UMass is super interesting and fun offensively. So he was a name I was familiar with. I, I think my take on it was he seemed like a guy who a lot of his his time had been spent. Uh, it's not the East Coast, but it's it's closer to the East Coast than Lincoln, Nebraska is. Uh, he'd, he'd spend a lot of his time mostly in the Northeast, and I just kind of thought he was a guy who was 
probably off the table. So I, did, I didn't really – he wasn't one of the names that came immediately to mind of, oh, I think Nebraska's going to target him. And I don't you know. I guess we'll find out eventually a little bit more about Nebraska's search and how it kind of unfolded. Maybe it may have been a guy where you didn't think you had a shot at him. You thought maybe he was pretty happy where he was at until you asked. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. A lot of that contributes to, contributes to why he wasn't kind of one of those first. Vogel, we still got you, bud? Yeah, see, I jumped in there because I thought he was done talking. Vogue's got uh, tased. I yeah. got gotcha. you. I can hear you. <laughs> ah, there you, we go. You dropped you, out, but it was wonderful. <laughs> I, you know wonderful. what, Brandon, though? I think that was the, the gods speaking, though, because we should change the topic. Real quick, how many losses do you think Nebraska basketball and football have combined for? Oh, you're going to quiz him now? Under Frost and Hoiberg, yes, this, I am. This is my favorite part of Saturday mornings: is Mark come in with the uh, with the slightly obscure stat and, uh, and, and just quizzing horrible. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do so you think, Brandon? Now you pissed Brandon off. He just hung up on you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll get Brandon Dow back in. Yeah. Well, we'll 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 uh, keep everybody in suspense that maybe didn't listen to our our first segment today. Shocking uh, for that answer. I'm going uh, through but I'm, through Pitt's am, record, and and I'm just like okay. How did they lose to Miami, and how did they lose to Western Michigan at home? It, look, I don't even, I don't even want to address this topic anymore, right? Like, I'm. Did you still, you seriously want to talk about is Frost going to get it done? Like, I don't. No, no, I know no, that's no, kind of no, what no, we no, do every no, Saturday. I'm, no, I'm just, I'm asking. No, I'm asking Pitt. How did Pitt lose to Western Michigan and Miami this year? I haven't watched a single Pitt game. I'll be honest. Have you? I watched enough highlights. Especially <laughs> you didn't watch any pit games? They were fun to watch. Uh, I, I mean, I caught like two, but... <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? And you did not watch front to back. No, I like watched. It, I, I mean, I fast-forwarded. It's fine. Yeah, you don't watch. No, we, don't we, watch. We, have, we have Vogue's back. Proceed, did, Mr. Cranach. How did Pitt lose to Western Michigan? I don't know. They just did. Um, all right, Brandon, real quick, before we change topics to something more cheery... Uh, let's bottom out first, though. Uh, how many losses has Hoiberg and Frost combined for? Do you know that answer? I'm going to guess 79 because, of course, I listened to the start of the show. <laughs> Very good. Let's go. That's good. Did that number surprise you, though? Like when you just hear it out loud and you just think of how many times it's been that you've had to write a column or uh, Jacob or or Aaron or anybody else at uh, Hale Varsity has had to write kind of the same story. Oh, football, well, they didn't get it done at the end of the game or there were too many turnovers and the special teams was terrible. And then in basketball, it's like, oh, they didn't have any ball movement. And they they didn't some hit their awful threes. shots. <laughs> it's just like copy-paste and then change a few na- Like, I guess in some ways, Brandon, now that I'm thinking about it, you could institute like a Mad Libs system at Hale Varsity. <laughs> Where you just have to just change some names and a couple numbers every now and then because the story's the same for uh, a few years in a row now. Well, yeah, yeah. If I'm being completely honest, it feels that way. Writing those those post game football columns, uh, <laughs> a lot of the time, unfortunately, and you have to try and 
figure out a new way to uh, to work your way into it. I would not have guessed nearly 80 combined losses, like just off from my gut. I would have had to sit and think like, okay, well, basketball's probably got 40 over the past two. And even then, like, it, 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 some of those losses are on the road. Same for football. But every time basketball plays at home, full state, look at it from that angle of all the people kind of getting together and showing up and being like, oh, you know, whether Nebraska's favored or whether they're a 14-point underdog like they are today in basketball, you're kind of like, well, let's see. You know, if this goes this way and this goes that way, and Nebraska should have a shot. Um, it's not like minus kind of Ohio State football games. There's, there's not a ton where you walk into them and say, well, this, this is just not going to go well. Um, but it hasn't gone well. <laughs> Nearly 80 times. Since, yeah, well, uh, it'll be 80 uh, in a few hours today, uh, most likely. It, it could be so, 100 by the end of basketball season. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Um, so I, I think we should switch gears to volleyball because uh, Nebraska's taken on Texas tonight in the Elite Eight. Um, and I know we've spent a couple of weeks, Brandon, as, as we've talked about volleyball, lamenting Nebraska's lack of offensive firepower in some ways um but at the same time the, for for whatever nebraska lacks offensively their defense is ludicrously good it was fantastic a couple nights ago against illinois um you, you just they just frustrate teams so much going into the the game against texas tonight it is kind of that classic offense versus defense matchup in, in your opinion, is Nebraska better suited now than they were a, less than a year ago when they faced Texas in the NCAA tournament to be able to deal with that inevitable Texas offensive onslaught? They are better suited to deal with it. I mean, and, and there's a lot of factors that go into that, but the, the addition of Lexi Rodriguez to, to win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year as a freshman uh, – pretty significant deal but it also allows nebraska to shift into kind of it's all defense lineup uh in in the back row you know kenzie knuckles had that libero spot previously and you can put her back there and so i think tonight it'll be the strength on strength matchup there will be really really interesting and you would expect nebraska to you know kind of pull Texas's typical hitting percentage down. If it does that, uh, you should have a pretty good match. I think it is going to be defined, though, by what sort of offensive success the Huskers can find, and can they be more consistent on that front? Because, you know, teams are going to trade blows when when Texas is on offense. That Texas-Washington match, you know, kind of watch that thing from start to finish. And you knew the moment that Washington or at least it felt that way to me. The moment that Washington didn't put it away in that third set, uh, they were in trouble. And Texas's offense never really faltered throughout that match. It was more Washington came out and jumped on them right away uh, and was able to score. And Texas made some adjustments, and then it got back to kind of its bread and butter, which is hitting 300 more nights than not. So that'll be the, the kind of the key battle. But I think the game, the match is going to be decided by what Nebraska is able to hit. 
Uh, is, it, is it able to put away points on its side? Brandon, from watching these matches, it's felt like Nebraska's been more crisp in the NCAA tournament than, than they were to finish the year during the, the, the Big Ten slate. Uh, the, the terminating's been better. It feels like uh, Nicklin Hames has been setting the ball better. D- does that just come down to the quality of opposition Nebraska's been facing to start off the tournament, or, or do you get that same feel as well? Yeah, I think you, you have to factor that in a, a little bit. But that said, I think there's still room for what you're noticing, which I, I do feel like Nebraska is on a little bit of a roll here. Um, so the, the start to the match tonight against Texas, you're on their home floor. Uh, it's going to be a really, really great atmosphere. Um, and none of the players on Nebraska's team will be familiar with it, but Coach Cook you know, will certainly uh, send him back to, to the Big 12 days. So – like we like we saw with that that Washington match, that start, you know, you, they really put Texas on the ropes, and Texas still still found a way. So, I think Nebraska has to come out and look like they're continuing to to play as crisp as they have, because um, I would agree. I think that's a pretty good word for it. Brandon Vogel's with us talking Nebraska volleyball against Texas tonight, Elite Eight. At Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him. His book, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. Vogues, when it comes to the sport of volleyball, kind of put it in context with we talk hoops, we talk uh, baseball, we talk football, kind of the, the emotion and the energy aspect of it. Uh, tell me about the reality with what Texas is facing. Not only is Nebraska coming in uh, ready to go, but also what they spent in their comeback against Washington. Is that a, could that be a factor tonight? Is that, is that something to be concerned about if, if you, uh, if you like Bevo? Yeah, it could, it could cut both ways there where, you know, you could feel like you, you know, you could be worn out from a little bit of all the energy you had to expend. You know, the, the interesting piece to that angle is I think this is the first year the NCA has had an off day between these, these regional rounds between the regional semifinal and the final. So that might dole that a little bit. I mean, you could also look at it as with Texas, you know, a, a super powerful team year in and year out. And certainly again, this year, um, you almost could get a boost from it. It feels like a little bit of a stay of execution because I, I can't remember how big that Washington lead got in the, the third set. I mean, it wasn't massive, but they were in control of that early, and Texas still found a way. So it could also offer a little bit of a boost. Um, the easiest way, you know, when we were talking earlier about the, the start to the match, but the way Nebraska chooses to play, and I mean, Coach Cook has said this for years and years and years and years. The reason that they put such an emphasis on serve and pass and basically floor defense is it's a little bit demoralizing. And, you know, to, to put it into a context, this wasn't how things went last, last week, but Georgia's defense all, all year long just left teams with no options. And, you know, you go into these games or matches in the case of volleyball early and you, you have your plan and you try it and they, you know, the opponent has an answer for everything. And you have you look at the talent level across the net from you, or across the line of scrimmage. It just it, it, it wears on teams when they can't put balls away. 
And so Nebraska kind of has that cumulative effect within matches Mm. that they really bank on. And it's really kind of how they're built to do it. This 2021 team, I think, in terms of floor defense, and this is a high bar to clear, but it's, it's, it's as good as I can remember seeing from Nebraska in the past five or six seasons. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. There, you know, there's a lot in there with Nebraska in terms of, you know, Elijah mentioned how they're just more crisp right now. And there's so many factors there, right? There's all of a sudden you're getting great serving from Stiverens. And she's found her sea legs, right, after missing the beginning of the year. Lindsey Krause, I think, has solidified the opposite opposite hitter spot and is is playing like like she belongs finally, rather than just being a wily freshman that's trying to find her way. <laughs> she looks like she belongs. Maddie Kubik has completely stabilized the left side. Super crafty player. Um, but And Kayla Caffey, I think, has become uh, a real problem for, for, for opponents um, after also trying to figure out how to coexist with Stiverns. But one thing that I saw Coach Cook commenting on uh, that was, that's been pretty interesting to me, and I'm wondering if you can put this into context of like, how normal this is, but the other advantage Nebraska has with Lexi Rodriguez, the, the libero, not only is she a really, really good at digging, but bump setting. So when, you know, when uh, Hames has to move to the back row and she's also a very good defensive player, you're, you're sort of down setting wise on, the, on those rotations. And they rely on Lexi Rodriguez to bump set. So that's for people that don't know, that's like not setting the ball above your head. It's bumping to set, which you have to do if you're libero back row. <laughs> you're not allowed to do the the over the head stuff. Is is that a luxury that Nebraska has right now, Brandon, or is that sort of what you expect from that position, like across the board at all kinds of programs? It, it I'm just curious. I, I just don't know that answer. Yeah, I don't think you can expect it to the level that Lexi is able to execute it. You, you hope you get it, and, and you have an expectation for you know that position. They're going to have to do that. But you know, so far through her freshman season, Lexi is is a an elite passer. I mean, there was there was a ball um, Thursday night that you know it was a tough ball. I think she went to the floor to to get it. And, you know, maybe it was a little bit luck of the draw, but based on everything we've seen from her, you know, it was, it was a tough ball to just keep off the floor. And it ended up right where it needed to be. It was, you know, a, a 9 out of 10 in terms of a, a pass. And she does that more often than not. She's just got a great feel for the game. And, you know, you watch these broadcasts, they talk about out of system all the time, out of system. And it, it makes an offense predictable. It allows the defense to, to set a block. You can get around some of that if you've just got a really good bump set. And Rodriguez is capable of doing that uh, as much as anyone that I've seen. You know, we've only seen her for, for a year, but super excited to watch the rest of her career because this freshman season has been as good as advertised plus some. Brandon, if Nebraska does indeed get the win over this high-powered offense of Texas tonight, is it Lexi Rodriguez that has to be the player of the game with what she brings defensively? Or if it's not her, who do you think needs to step up and be the MVP for this Husker volleyball team tonight for them to get the win? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it Lexi, which is sort of the ultimate compliment because I, I'm pretty comfortable putting her over there and be like, she's going to be good and you know she's going to win. 
kind of the share you'd expect Nebraska to win defensively against a, a good offense. And Texas will win a share of those too. Um, you could, it's, it's going to be one of those, the outside hitters or opposite hitters. You feel pretty good about Maddie Kubik in situations like this. You know, she's played in a lot of matches with, with these kind of stakes. So it might come down to, to one of the freshmen. Can one of them get going? Can one of them have, you know, kind of a breakout game against this level of opponent? And, the the interesting thing interesting thing with with Nebraska is yeah I, I could name a name of of which one it could be but I think the luxury they have here is they're able to play and rotate in you know some of these various various players looking for the hot hand so that's one of the Nebraska certainly didn't have that last year and you know it's it's rare for a team to have it to the degree that Nebraska has had so. I'll look to Krause or, or Badenhorst, uh, one of those, you know, how well, if one of them is able to get going, it's probably one of the key indicators, I think, for, for how this match goes. Folks, should be good tonight. We'll see if uh, Coach Cook and company can get it done. And uh, thanks for your expertise on it, man, and jumping on with us this morning. Yeah, thanks a lot. There he is, Brandon Vogel, yeah. managing editor with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. And uh, his book, Dream Like a Champion, with John Cook. You can follow mm-hmm. Vogue's uh, on Twitter, at Brandon Vogel. Jacob Padilla, also great coverage with Husker Volleyball. So uh, check that out on social media at HailVarsity.com tonight. Should be good, man. Can't wait for the for the match tonight. Yeah, it, like, and when you watch it tonight, it, there's so much more. I've, I've gotten more into the strategy no, and all you're that. You're really pretty awesome at volleyball, man. I mean, I watch it. I get the, the basics of it. But yeah, you're a you're you're a volleyball papa though. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Daughter started playing, and so just kind of get into it a, a little bit more. And um, and you know, Cook is. I've always been a fan of it. Just you know, it's, it's a it's a fun sport to watch. I think. But there, there's a lot. Let it look. It can look pretty random to the untrained eye. You know, I think like a lot of sports. Um, but the level of sophistication that Nebraska plays with is pretty crazy, man. Like you understand why. Cook is who he is and why his coaching tree populates the rest of the volleyball world like man they they are they sort of understand volleyball on a deeper level than their opponents do they <laughs> they just do Mark um, I, I, I yeah. want to put my ego aside here because there's one thing that's always not confused me but I've always wondered and I want to know if you have the answer how do the setters decide who they're going to set it to I'm going to set my ego aside I'm not going to act like I know anything about volleyball like, do they like have plays? That's not the right way to put it. Because I don't want to sound like an idiot here, but like, how do they decide who's getting the set every single time? Okay, I, I'm saying this with seventy percent confidence. Okay, <laughs> it's like no, really, like, because uh, I've all, often wondered that too. Like, how do they even know? Like, what? what how do they even know where? But if you watch, if, if they're in system, and in system means that you dig a ball well, like mm-hmm. the other team hits it over. Lexi or somebody in the back row bumps it really well to the setter in the box, which is the middle of the floor near the net. So that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to dig it, get it to the setter in the middle of the floor where she doesn't have to run all over the place to get under it, right? She can camp out, wait for the ball to come to her. And then when she's there, she has options. She has like three options. She can 
She can set it back over her head to the backside. That's where you see like the Stivrin slide. She can set it to the far end to get, uh, you know, to get um, your outside hitter, or she could set it to one of the middle. Like you have options. And so based on where the ball is being set from, you usually have three and sometimes even four if there's someone on the back row, like Maddie. If she's on the back row, Kinsey Knuckles is an option on the back row. A lot of teams aren't great at that. Nebraska is. They, they will get kills from the back row where you have to jump before you get to the line. I'm probably going all over the place here. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the basics of it is, is that the, uh, the, the hitters don't even necessarily know. They are all getting ready to attack. So Nicklin just has those options and she makes a decision in the moment and she's making those decisions based on where is their block set up? Who do they have on the front? So if they have like their best blockers over on the left side of the net, she's probably not going to set it over there, right? Because if she does, it's going to be hard for the ball. So she's making that decision in the moment and she has at least three options and each of those options are going to act as though they're getting the ball. They're they're gonna. They don't know if they're going to, so they're gonna uh, they're gonna go attack. Trust that the set is gonna be there, and one of them is gonna get it. So so they're the but receivers it, running the routes, and and Nicklin Hames is the quarterback. It's a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah, it, very similar, right? The receivers are all running the routes. They don't know if the ball is gonna get thrown to them, but they're running the routes and getting ready to catch it in case the ball does come their way. I think it's the same way. So if you watch it, when Nick, when they're in system, you know, a Lexi or a Kinsey bump to Nicklin where she can camp out and set it. Um, if you watch, you'll see three attackers getting ready to, to kill the ball. They just don't know if they're going to get it. I'm taking notes. It's good stuff. Take me to volleyball school here. We are. That's, that's big time. Uh, time to check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp is in the on-deck circle. Get his take on some football. And, uh, of course, Husker Hoops. Uh, Gary Sharp on the way. Weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal. So I threw this thread out to Junior last night uh, when it comes to, you know, encouragement and maybe uh, maybe bumping up his schoolwork. And, and he honestly does a really good job. But we're kicking around the idea heading down to Arrowhead tomorrow for the Raiders Ooh. Chiefs game. But if, if, if he's kind of a snot this weekend, I'm going to put him in Raiders gear. In a, in, 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 I mean, it's all a Chiefs section down at Arrowhead. See how that works, right? That that might be child abuse, though. No, make him carry a sign that says Patrick Mahomes is overrated. Oh, around his neck? Yeah. Oh, wow. I like that. I think I, I, Junior wouldn't last down there. Uh, noted Chiefs fan, big Chiefs fan, and, uh, of course, voice of the Mavs. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, how's your weekend, bud? Good to spend time with you. 
good. That would be so cruel. I think that the state might be knocking on your door if you did that to your son down at Arrowhead tomorrow. I know. I, I we're just gonna. Well, right now we're we're going. We'll see if we feel that way in like you know seven hours or so. But no, it should be all right. Gary, a lot to get to, man. Uh, so much on the the docket with Nebraska sports and how do you feel moving forward chemistry wise with with Frost and with Whipple now. And then you bring in Raiola and Joseph. Th- those four uh, working together here for a, for a better 2022 offense. Well, I think it's kind of, it, it, uh, from our standpoint, we don't really know yet. Uh, the most important thing is here, when Scott's interviewing these guys and pursuing these guys, and you would say that he probably got his number one target at offensive line, Jeff Quinn at Notre Dame was probably second. He got his number one wide receiver or was encouraged to go get his number one wide receiver coach. And then he got either his one or two offensive coordinator pick. So he has to look at it. Are these three guys I'm adding to my staff, are they good enough to not get me fired? Because you're either looking at this is a fresh start for some guys, fresh start for the head coach, or fresh start for the new guys. The head coach is, man, I'm just trying not to get fired. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, but... I also like the, the makeup. They're not, they're not buddies, um, but two of the three have a connection, and the other one may be, in terms of past history and experience, might be someone that Scott could have used a couple of years ago, but he'll have at least in 2022 And Mark Whipple, who has been around a lot of different levels of football and a lot of different ideas in the game of football on the offensive side of the ball. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and, and now you've got to get a quarterback to match um, and look, it, this time of year is musical chairs with coaching staffs, with quarterbacks, with transfer portal, with recruiting. It's so crazy. <laughs> is, is Gary, is it going to be like this every year or is this sort of pent up from the pandemic, which kind of limited how much movement there could be? That's uh, on so many staffs and at so many programs, like people just kind of wanted to survive and advance the pandemic in general, whether you're a player or, uh, or a administrator looking to make a change with your coaching staff. Or, or do you think this is the new normal where, you know, November through December is just mad dash with decommits and people deciding to transfer and coaches moving to different places to this degree? I think as long as the early signing period is where it is, and it's this Wednesday uh, coming this year, I think it's going to be with athletic directors feel like they got to make quicker changes because they got to get somebody in place to recruit. Uh, guys go into the portal so they can grab a spot on a particular roster. Uh, it, it, we kind of have to wait, and you brought up a really good point, Mark. This was a COVID year. So in terms of player movement and rosters that were a little bit older, we'll see how it impacts it down the road. Now, immediate eligibility does have a major impact that you can go wherever and you don't have to sit out a year anymore. You can play right away. I think from the COVID standpoint, there were probably a lot of administrators that said, oh, we'll give you a pass. It was a COVID year, odd year. We didn't play a full schedule. Uh-uh, not in 21. If you weren't better in 21, we got to make a move. Um, I think part of what we're seeing will be here from here on out in college football, maybe not the just craziness guys that we have had with people in the portal and coaching changes and staffs moving all over the country. I mean, it has been absolutely wild. That's why 
you know, you're almost hesitant to say, whew, Nebraska got through a phase one of the offseason. They got their staff in place. They got guys in the portal. They're ready to go. I don't think this is done. I, I think you still have an opening at Oregon, and that'll be a domino. Whoever goes to Oregon, it just it, it seems like it's going to continue for a couple of more weeks. And, you know, it's the, the guys that are in the portal, they're not forced to sign this upcoming week. They can still wait another month or so. And, you know, that's always fluid. There's no deadline on when you can go into the portal and when you can pull guys out of the portal. The really only restrictions are you can have 88 on your roster now. you got to be to 85 by August. So I think get ready. This is a fantasy college football season, and uh, it's, pre- it's pretty wild. There's some that don't think it's good for the sport. There's others that think it is great to have hot stove uh, college football. Gary, a prediction here, either from a timeline standpoint or, you know, where, where Coach Frost will go with the, the remaining coaching vacancy, running backs coach uh, or, or special teams coordinator. You hear Ron Brown, you hear uh, Bill Bush. There's going to be a lot of other names out there, as many openings and transitions that's occurred here. Is that something we hear, hear, uh, hear about here in the next week or so, or is it just going to kind of linger? No, I think you have to by, you know, probably over the next, I think the next week we'll get some uh, finalization. You know, you haven't heard any names attached to running back, and Nebraska's fortunate that Ron Brown is around. Mm-hmm. Do they go the route of that position is handled by an analyst, or is Bill Bush elevated to full-team special teams coordinator and also runs running backs? Uh, I, I think it's more likely we get a full-team special teams coordinator than a full-time running back coach. But, again, you could combine them. But I think in the next week before Christmas, that'll be solidified. So you have your entire staff mm-hmm. that is uh, solidified. And hopefully some of the jobs that are open, like in the state of Florida, on Nebraska staff that have Florida connections, those guys are still in Lincoln and not elsewhere. Are you worried about that? I know Fisher's been sought after multiple times over his tenure. I mean, wherever he's been, Central Florida or even Nebraska, I mean, guys are knocking on his door constantly. Well, it's been kind of quiet with Travis Fisher. You haven't heard a lot about him since the season ended. You know, you don't, you don't see him out on the road a lot or hear about him out on the road a lot. I know he, he likes it here. Uh, he likes his room. He's got a challenge with young guys this upcoming year um, with the seniority that he lost and then Cam Taylor Britt as well. I think the guy to keep an eye on is Sean Becton. If I'm Billy Napier or Mario Cristobal, i got a guy in Lincoln that coaches tight ends that's a really good coach, and he's also a really good recruiter with great Florida connections. That would be a guy I'd watch, but I, I, don't, I don't think there will be movement off guys that are here currently, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's a crazy time. Who would have thought that Lincoln Riley would go to USC or right. Ryan Kelly would go to LSU? Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Sean Becton also has that flex. You know, he's coached receivers in his past, so he he could move over there. He's he's not just the the tight ends guy. That's what he is at Nebraska right now. Um, Gary, you want to shift gears over to basketball, and it's it's this uncomfortable discussion. Uh, it's like already we're here again. What do you suppose, Trev? Put put it this way: you were you've been around UNO or, or Nebraska Omaha and and seeing how Trev operates an overall department, how he treats basketball. He's got, he's got his hands full with football, of course. But then you see what happens against Michigan a couple nights ago, and you look at Hoiberg's performance. Now in year three, what do you suppose Trev is looking at with Hoiberg? And are we in a situation where Trev, if things 
go, you know, if you're seven and 22 again or whatever, is, is Hoiberg in danger of losing his job at the end of this year? Do you think Trev is thinking that? I don't think he's thinking that. Uh, I think he's probably looking and going, all right, we, we haven't really in three years had roster continuity. Mm-hmm. Why? And what is the issue that the season basically is on the brink between now and the end of the year after what happened on Tuesday night? That is one of the worst things I think I've ever experienced in Nebraska athletics. Uh, the play on the floor was bad. The atmosphere was absolutely horrible. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a 6 p.m. start. There was no energy in the building whatsoever in a place that usually generates a really good atmosphere. And then you get what happened on the floor. I mean, it was one thing after another on Tuesday night. And you could say, well, okay, that's just one game. You ha- you're, you're bound for an off night. Yeah, you're battling some illness coming into the game. I, it doesn't feel to me that that is a one-off, that this is in a really, really precarious spot because Western Illinois has happened, Creighton has happened, this game happened. You lost to North Carolina State in a game that I think you drew some people in that said, man, they, they're a little undersized, but they fought. They could have won that game but lost in four overtime. And then you had the Indiana game. But the Michigan game is one that sits on the tab. And I think a lot of people, Mark and Schmidt, looked at that and said, for the first time, they wonder, is Hoiberg the answer? Because it looked like a team that had not been coached. Uh, a team that was just like last year that I can't relate to. Stand around on the floor and one guy, Verge, just does everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad spot for Nebraska to be in, and today could be ugly because you don't know who's going to be playing and how much they're going to be able to play against a really good Auburn team. I, I think you can draw some goodwill if guys go out there and bust it, and they play hard. People realize that the challenge that Nebraska has today, but at 10.30 this morning, if they play hard, you'll be like, okay. Now, what does that mean next week when Kansas State rolls in? But once you push the Q button like Hoiberg did, you better be right. Because if not, guys, this season could be over before you ever get to January 1. And you still have three months of basketball to go and people wondering where this program is going. So there will be a lot of eyeballs that are, are watching Hoiberg. Um, but he's going to have to pull it out. Uh, he's, you know, it's kind of him. He, he doesn't have like the rest of his staff. He's got a glorified cheerleader in Doc. He's got a couple of development coaches. This is on Fred now to push the button and to bring guys back out of it so that they don't lay an egg like they did on Tuesday night because that is really, really bad. That, that's one of the lower points that uh, Nebraska basketball has had in the Hoiberg era. Gary Sharp's with us here on a Saturday morning edition, Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Gary, this is not too difficult of a question. I guess the, uh, the, the choices you have aren't too difficult, but, but it's difficult for me processing in my head. And the, the question is, is, what has been more perplexing to you? Has it been Coach Frost and his attempted rebuild of Nebraska football, or has it been Coach Hoiberg and his attempted rebuild of Nebraska basketball? Well, I, 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 know, I know what you're getting at, Elijah. I hate to compare because both programs in terms of history and where they were when uh, both guys walked in the door were at different levels. I think I'm more oh, – I mean, I'm, I'm surprised at both. Uh, it, there, there's no way you can look at football, you know, four years ago on December 2nd of 2017 and go, man, football is going to be in a really good spot. There's no way you could have sat and said, man, football is in a bad spot in, after year number four. I think basketball, you're like, okay – Nebraska's history in basketball isn't great, but I want my expectations to be higher. I think both are, you know, roster continuity, staff, how strong it is, um, some unfortunate bad luck that has come their way. But at the end of the day, they both have to be better at their job. 
because there's really no excuses. Um, you know, football doesn't have really any more excuses to lean on. They've got a lot of stability from the administration of the athletic director. Uh, you know, they, they're getting a brand new facility. They've turned the roster over, so it is all of Scott's guys that are in here now or have been around them long enough that they know what to expect. You know, in basketball, the facilities are better. They play in an NBA arena. Uh, they play in a big-time conference. You know, the, but the roster is just rolling over. So it, it, I don't think anybody could have envisioned that after four years in football, into year three in basketball, that Nebraska football and Nebraska men's basketball would be in this spot. But right now it is. That's the reality. You can't run away from it. I think they share some similarities, but I don't like to compare where they're at and trying to go, oh, I'm surprised by one or the other. I'm just really surprised that both have not had success on different levels. Fred Hoiberg, I'm surprised, has not come into this year and has been better because they have not. They're basically a 500 team, and they've got talent that is better than that. Their the talent level is better than that. And, Sharpie, got it. got a couple of minutes here. We'll, we'll get you out, man. Thanks for joining us. I look at the basketball team with that talent word and on paper to on court, and I just kind of keep coming back to their, their soft. They're soft going to the rim. They're soft making uh, choices with launching threes versus moving the ball. They, Fred can put them in position with either a set or they'll start out a game. Their last three ball games, they've started out okay but then they just drift away from it. Can this team become blue-collar, I guess is my question, because that's what's going to really keep them from, from nosediving in the Big Ten. They may not win, but we, we get back to the point of what, what the biggest problem was against Michigan, and that's the, the fact they didn't keep fighting. You're going to get beat. You can get blown out, but, but go down swinging. They were, they were tired of swinging, Sharpie. Well, I think that's why you feel for a guy like Derek Walker today. Yeah. He's going to go up against Jabari Smith of Auburn, who's 6'10 and is an NBA guy. That's really the only guy they have to get physical. I don't think the program right now, the way they run their offense in, in the ta- and the talent they have uh, on, the, on the roster, is built to play a blue-collar physical game. They're built right now to have guards that drive into the paint and kick it out, mm-hmm. and they shoot threes. And we know that when those aren't dropping and Nebraska is one of the worst teams in the country, boy, do you have a plan B. That's the scary thing. Okay, they're not falling. Let's settle in. Let's run a half-court offense. That's just not there. So the rebounding and the physicality is going to be a problem. And it, and it hurts even more that Breidenbach is out for a while because yeah. he's one guy still undersized that is not afraid to get physical and get to the glass and try and help out a Derek Walker. But right now, Walker's the really the only guy that wants to get physical. That's why I'm curious to see how they play today. If they can bust it and play hard for 40 minutes and still come up on the short end, you can go, okay, I, I, I see where we're going here. But if they lay an egg and nobody wants to get physical today, they're going to get bludgeoned. And, guys, it's going to get ugly. It will. Sharpie, have yourself a weekend, man. We'll uh, we'll check in next time. And thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Thank Gary you. Sharp with us on uh, Hale Varsity Weekend. Cranach, enjoy. You doing a little chilly today? Yeah, might have to do that. Uh, a little Christmas shopping. All right. A little, little volleyball watching later. Hopefully Elijah? not two losses for the Big Red today. Mac, mac and cheese for Elijah today? No, I'll be watching UFC 269 tonight. Really looking forward mm. to that. Well, check us out over on KFOR at 5 Southwest and Omaha South Boys Basketball. Have a good weekend. Thanks for taking uh, your time this morning with, K- with uh, Hale Varsity on ESPN Lincoln.